Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my show, Me the Science podcast. Now this week, I've got a topic that I have worked on myself for many, many years actually. In fact, when I began doing research as an immunologist, uh, I began to work on this. So it's about 30 years of effort working on one particular thing and it's called the science of sepsis. And sepsis is a very, very important thing. It is, it is defined as a condition where you get a big infection in your body, especially in your bloodstream. You can detect this bacteria usually, although it can be caused by viruses or fungi as well. And you get a massive overreaction to the infection and that sets up a chain of events where your organs start to fail and tragically it's a major cause of death. So sepsis has been a huge area for many, many decades really uh, and they're trying to make progress. Can they stop it in its tracks? Can they spot it coming? Can they sort of treat it in various ways? And guess what? It's been very difficult to stop and treat and it's one of the big medical challenges in hospitals now still after decades of research is treating sepsis. So we need to do a lot more sort of work I suppose and there is progress as I explained but certainly we need to do much better in coming up with treatments for sepsis and the numbers are striking so in the US every year 250,000 people die of sepsis um, 60% of hospital deaths all deaths are somehow related to sepsis in Ireland it's about 3,000 people a year die from it this is more common then as a cause of death things like strokes or diabetes or lung cancer you know it kind of eclipses all of those so it's a very important clinical problem and any doctors will tell you who treats sepsis they're saying look it's it's a horrible thing it's once it starts you can't stop it it's relentless children get it which of course is devastating and there are lots of examples of just a, a simple cut in your skin and the bacteria gets in and begins to get a foothold and that then progresses into sepsis and sadly gives rise to this this mortality rate so and the doctors are trying everything to try and treat it you know and try and stop it happening and so on um, and yet we need more progress now so it's defined then as kind of an overwhelming of the system and early in the system your body goes into overdrive effectively you get a massive inflammatory response it's called SIRS which is systemic inflammatory reaction syndrome and that takes off and then all the damaging things begin to happen and so we've not we know a lot about what's what's going on in the body by the way people have measured pardon me all, all these inflammatory changes but the truth is it's, it's very difficult to stop now the features let's start with the clinical features you get you often have a fever so your temperature goes up your heart rate goes really high your breathing becomes shallow and you get a precipitous drop in blood pressure so it can be spotted you know and then of course they try to treat the people in various ways they're given antibiotics to kill if it's bacteria they're given IV fluids to try and get the blood pressure back up and as we know from the COVID times putting a ventilator to put the breathing so there are ways to try to slow it down but as I say there's no really effective therapies which is which is a big challenge a big breakthrough happened um, probably in 1997-98 time and I was working on this myself uh, I didn't make the big breakthrough but I was certainly contributing to the effort was they found proteins in the body that were overreacting to the infection and that was a big advance there's one called TLR4 for instance which my lab had worked on that can sense bacteria especially what I call gram-negative bacteria, and then flip the switch and cause the massive inflammatory reaction. And that was an important discovery because now we knew 
what was in the immune system that was seeing this massive infection, TLR4. And then companies began developing TLR4 drugs that would block it. And two of them got to the clinic and one was tested. But the trouble is they didn't really work. And they worked a bit, say 10% of lives were saved, which isn't, isn't too bad, I guess. But they didn't really work. And the reason why these therapies have all failed. So in other words, the, the inflammatory parts and the component parts were, were discovered. The reason why they often failed was you were giving it too late. In other words, once the symptoms begin, it's a bit like a domino effect and you can't stop the dominoes falling, you see. And the goal becomes then to stop the first domino and then you might stop all the dominoes falling and all these dominoes are there, but they're getting triggered too late. In other words, the great analogy that we use is you're trying to close the stable door after the horse's bolt. That's the famous one that we often use in this. So the big trick has been, can we figure out, you know, how to how to spot this early? And that's where the breakthrough is, which I'm about to tell you about. But there's no doubt it's highly complex because massive immune activation is happening, very complex parts of the immune system are firing on all cylinders and then paradoxically as it progresses you get immune suppression, so the immune system turns off and that allows the bacteria to go ballistic because obviously you know you've turned off your immune system and now the whole thing is out of control so it's a very complex set of reactions really and it illustrates in fact how complex the immune system is with all these different components changing and uh, again a lot of studies gone into this trying to come up with for a good reason with ways to stop it from happening so the trick is to catch it early that that's the whole sort of holy grail if you will of this whole area and then over the last couple of months three studies have come out which suggests this might be possible. And they were in Nature Medicine, some of them, which is a very eminent journal. And as, you, as people who listen regularly know, I always look at what's the journal. The more eminent the journal, the better. It's not, it's not always foolproof, of course, but, but we look to see where these things are published. It's a bit like if you see something in the Irish Times, you presume it's true, you know. It's like that in science as well. So Nature Medicine is a bit like the Irish Times, if you will. So once it was published there and I read these papers and I, I was very impressed by them, I read them myself then. That's the other thing you should always do. Look into it a bit yourself and then see if it's, does it look real or not. And these are very compelling papers, right? And and the reason why they were so important was um, they used artificial intelligence. Now, now, the dream in many ways of diagnosis and trying to figure out what's happening in diseases is to use artificial intelligence, which beats our brains, basically. It's using very elaborate um, sort of data analysis and algorithms, they're called, to assess very complex situations and tell us what's going on. Because obviously these, these very elaborate machines, computers, uh, can do things much quicker and more effective than we can. So they've used artificial intelligence in these studies. And what they did was they got the computers, if you will, to look at the records of 175,000 patients with sepsis. And they analyzed all those patients on those electronic records. And then they spotted patterns in the data. And then the algorithm began to fire off. And it's a thing called machine learning. Now, again, it's beyond me what happens here. I know what the bottom line is. They, they were able to spot certain patterns. But somehow machine learning was used. In fact, the computer system could learn as it assessed the data and got better and better through that data analysis. And finally came up with an algorithm, is the name for this, where if certain things changing in a very complex way, you can say, that person has sepsis, let's intervene quickly. And that, that was the final output from this, these studies. And what they spotted was a very impressive thing then. They went onto the wards, they took people with their electronic records, they fed that into the machine, if you will, and then the machine was able to say, look, this person is developing sepsis. And 82% of cases were spotted, which is great, first of all. And then they could implement therapy and uh, there was a decrease of 20% in the death rate. Now again, not everybody could be saved, but still, that was a big improvement on previous 
efforts. So where one in five people would have died, they're no longer dying of sepsis using this artificial intelligence. And of course you can see now where that's, it's seen as the, the first step in this in a way because they've, they've got a bit of traction here with this now and that should get better and better. And what, what the big output was, was if, if the computer or whatever said sepsis is beginning, they would then put them on antibiotics immediately. And overall, uh, the time to putting someone on antibiotics was reduced by 1.85 hours, whatever that is, a minute. But certainly they, they got them on antibiotics for quickly. And that was a factor in saving them because obviously antibiotics can be very effective at killing off bacteria, for example. And I wonder is the ones who were saved were the ones who were inclined to have bacteria infections more than, say, viral or fungal because they could be treated. But certainly this was seen as a big significant step forward that you could spot 82% of cases and then decrease the death rate by 20%. And it's called a real-time early warning system or TRUES is the name of this now, T-R-E-W-S, and that's now being deployed more widely in hospitals as an effective way to come up with, an, as it says on the tin, as an early warning system, you see. So, so this TRUES method has been used, is being used now in hospitals more and more. Of course, we'll see then if it does pan out and becomes um, more widely used and see if this, uh, often when you're in the real world, the effectiveness goes down a bit in the real world. But we we'll see, because they're going to start deploying it now. And, and remember, that there's no single test for for, um, for sepsis, sadly. They, they would, it, before this TRUES method, if you like, it was a combination of a physical exam, uh, measuring certain things in the blood, looking for the bacteria, you know, all those things got measured. And that was informing the doctors as to what they could do. But now they can apply this TRUES technology and this algorithm to be able to look at this and, and predict with great accuracy where the sepsis will emerge. Now, of course, they'd like to get up from that 20% up to higher levels. That might be antivirals might be used, say, or antifungal agents or whatever it might be. And, and what they're doing now is they're tweaking the protocols. Having spotted it can now you tweak the situation and save even more lives is the idea. Now, there's a, there are a couple of challenges here. Um, one is it needs good record taking and electronic records are needed because obviously you feed in the information into the algorithm and then you begin to spot the sepsis emerging or not. And that can be time consuming. And in fact, in America at the moment, get this, um, and it could be the same in Ireland, uh, the keeping of electronic records is a very onerous task for doctors. So for every hour you spend with a patient, you spend two hours doing the records, which is stressful, obviously, for doctors. So they're trying to come up with better ways then to lay down the electronic uh, information, I suppose, that the computers can then use. And this goes beyond sepsis, of course, into other conditions. The reason why this pap- these papers cause such excitement, by the way, is also, could you apply this to other diseases? You use artificial intelligence to spot disease X more quickly and get the treatment in earlier. Because obviously when it comes to medicine anyway, the earlier, it's always the earlier you treat the better to stop the horse bolting as it were. Of course, prevention is always great, hence vaccines and various things. It's much better to stop the thing starting in the first place. If it does start, though, the earlier the better and the bigger the outcome in terms of success will be. So again, this AI business now is seen as a way to do this. And and it's caused such excitement because this is the first really good example of using AI in a way that is extremely useful on the ground or in the ward. I suppose is the place where they're using it. So the, the, the deployment of AI now is seen as the future and, and this is a really good test study of how to deploy AI to come up with a very effective way to spot this horrible condition called sepsis. So it's seen as a really big advance. There was a false positive rate here and there. It's not ideal. It needs a bit more tweaking. It won't be widely used for the moment until they work out some of the things. But it's certainly seen as a big advance on what was there before. And again, it's deploying machine learning, deep learning, they call it as well, in a very, very 
effective way. So from my take on this, we've learned a huge amount about sepsis over the past 30 years or so, identifying many component parts, including my lab, finding a few steps in the sepsis process. Um, and now there could be a way then to spot the patients who are developing sepsis and treat them quickly and target some of these things. And then you might actually save some patients. So I think it's a really good example of um, intense research happening on all fronts, really, and artificial intelligence really having a positive effect on a disease that's still killing an awful lot of people. So there you have it, the science of sepsis. And by the way, I was asked to cover that by a listener. And as I always say, is please do please do email me and say, look, can you cover topic, topic X? And I do get one or two emails every so often. Uh, and if I know enough about it and can dig into it enough, I'm very happy to cover it. And that was the case with the science of sepsis this week. So thanks very much for listening. And remember, uh, my podcast is a News Talk production and it's available for download every Thursday. And thank you very much for listening.